to the Three Man Weave Podcast. We're happy to be back with you. Training camp has started. Media day has started. We got Kevin and Nikhil on the line. Guys, what's up? What's going on, folks? What up? What up? Yeah, it's good to have the guys back. We got them on the phone. We're uh, recording from a new studio. But uh, yeah, we, we got some new news in the NBA. Um, obviously, Carmelo Anthony was traded this week to the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was kind of uh, the last chip to fall the offseason. So what are your guys' initial thoughts on the trade, and how do you think it affects the Western Conference for the season coming up? Nikhil, you go first. Nikhil, you go ahead. Well, um, so I think, I think for me, my biggest question mark for Melo going into all these trade rumors was whether he'd be willing to play uh, the floor, the Olympic Melo. Uh, I've been saying it all the time. Uh, and I was very excited when he, in media day, came out and said he thinks he'd be most effective at the floor and he'd be willing to do so, um, which I think is a great sign. Uh, and I think this season we'll see a lot of – I think he'll be incredibly efficient offensively. And I think from a defensive standpoint, this is a very similar situation. Like when he re- when he decided to re-sign with the Knicks, he passed up on the, the elite Bulls team. Uh, that had a great defense and that was able to mask him defensively, I think he's in a similar environment that could potentially mask him as well. Uh, And if he's committed to playing the four, um, he doesn't have to chase around faster guards or threes. He'd be able to just run around with the four. So I think he'd be okay with that. Um, So at a high level, that's my initial thought. Uh, What are your thoughts, Kev? Roberson, Adams, PG, Russ, and Melo. That's a good five. Yeah, no, I disagree with that. Okay. I mean, um, well, I'd like to hear your argument. Yeah, I mean, Um, Patterson, because he thought he was going to have a prominent role on this team, at, and it doesn't look like that at all. And like you said, Olympic Melo better come through, and he's got to grab those boards and shoot them threes for spacing. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Melo's got to be taking eight plus threes, eight plus threes per game this year in that offense. Yeah, I think he's taking eight threes a game. He should literally just be camping out, you know, on on the uh, three point arc, and like. That's the question. As you said, can Russell Westbrook change his game to kick out to, to Melo in, with consistency? Can Melo play defense? I don't know. Like you said, Nikhil, I don't know who he can guard, especially in the playoffs down the stretch, but I like it because it gives their second unit a lot of pop because they'll likely have Paul George or Melo on the floor at all times. So they can basically play an ISO Melo or an ISO Paul George offense when, he's, when, when Westbrook's off the floor. I think it's a good move for OKC. At the same time, I don't, I don't know if I'd still take Harden and CP3 and D'Antoni's system or Kawhi with Pop over this team, even just purely based on off. I think OKC's going to have a great defense. I still think that what Houston and Golden State and San Antonio are capable of is, is, is kind of at a different level than OKC still. I'm, I'm not sure how much Melo moves the needle, honestly. I just think, like, you have a beast in Russell Westbrook. We know that. A beast. No one could stop him. No one on uh, 
is stopping PG besides Kawhi, and then you have another threat in Melo. They have more guns than anyone else that you just named besides Golden State, in my opinion. I know. So my, they, my, no. thought, my thoughts on this is a lot of this hinges on Westbrook. Um, yes. I, I think that these are three guys who are all very capable. I think Melo can be very, very efficient and very good. Um, but they're not willing passers. People are going to say, oh, Russ averaged a double, uh, double digit assist. But he's not a willing passer, I don't think. I think he's more of a reluctant bail-me-out kind of passer. But he used to draw so much attention that it worked. Um, exactly. I think if, if Westbrook is willing to get these guys the right shots at the right time, I think it'll make all the difference. I'm very concerned for PG because I don't want him to be stuck in a spot-up shooter role. I think he's way too talented for that. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. I think we'll see a lot of good stuff out of them. I could see them being the three to two seed, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, don't you think it's bad that Carmelo's coming in? He probably thinks he's better than Paul George. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. Don't you a think Melo? Don't you think Melo? I think Westbrook, Westbrook still thinks he's like shit. This is my team still. No, no. Shit, I'm I, the man. I, 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 like, I think it's clearly Westbrook's but like, team, but I think I, I, I think Melo sees himself as two. I think Melo sees himself as second in the pecking order. You really think Melo like believes he's better than Paul George? Yes. Nikhil, back me up I on that. I Think so. Nikhil. I think I think Melo's confidence is like that. I think he does yes. think he's that good. You could even see him with the bench comment, how he laughed that off. Yep. Um, but I do think these guys, Melo and PG, played together in the Olympic team. I think they already have some some somewhat of a rapport. But I definitely think Melo thinks he's going to be. I think actually Melo will end up getting a lot of credit offensively more than PG. That's my concern with PG. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, I think. His, his productivity will go down compared to the other two. Uh, so we'll see. Um, so the other big move just now was uh, way to Cleveland. Um, so, uh, uh, Cherry, I know you're kind of excited about that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I am happy D-Wade is on a better team than he was on. But this team, everyone's like thinking like, oh, my gosh, they're so stacked. You can only play so many minutes. There's not enough minutes to go around. You have JR, Shumpert, Isaiah, Derek Rose, Corver, LeBron, Jefferson, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Crowder, Crowder Channing Fry, Jeff Green, and Dwayne Wade. And they all need minutes, Zach. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for filling out your roster without that much, like, parity amongst players so that... It, there's an ability for guys to fall into rank as the season goes along. I mean, it's going to be a tough task for Tyron Lue. They're going to have time to experiment with it. I think Wade's going to be on the floor just because of his experience in the playoffs and how comfortable LeBron is with him. Um, I think it's a good pickup. I mean, you, you, you can't have enough assets to go at the Warriors. The Warriors demand the best out of everyone, and Cleveland's got to load up as much as possible. How could they not sign D-Wade? It's, an, it's a no-brainer to bring in a guy like that. I, the log jam, like you said, it, it will end up being problematic at some point, but you got to take a chance to try to figure that out. That's what the Warriors demand by how elite they've been and how, how good they built of a team they built. Go ahead. I think, I, I don't think I, sorry, go ahead. Trey. I was going to say, 
this team, like, their practices are going to be very interesting. It's going to be, like, will Tyloo dictate, like, who plays what on practice or on who should play? Because there's a lot of players that are going to cook other players in practice and they're going to say, I deserve to start. Like, D-Rose over IT over or Wade over JR. But does he deserve the minutes? So my, my thought on all of this is I don't think this is a huge basketball move. I don't think this helps the Cavs in any sort of basketball standpoint from a pure standpoint. I think this is more of like a psychological move. Yep. Um, because I think you obviously the whole thing of bringing the two best friends together. Um, I think Wade will be able to help LeBron offset some of that burden of having to like, he's like a one man show. I'm leading my troops through this army. Now he has someone else who's been through the shit with him who can help offset some of that. So LeBron can purely focus on like basketball. Then again, I don't know if that's, I mean, the LeBron we've seen as of late is on another level. So I don't know if this, I'm curious to see if a looser LeBron will be better or worse uh, just because we've seen him be a superhuman these last three playoffs. Um, I think just from a basketball standpoint, I think Wade didn't give a shit when he was in Chicago because he had no real interest. I mean, yeah, he was going home. That was great. It was cool for the first few games. But I think long-term, he had no plans of staying there, and I think he didn't care, so he didn't. He wasn't very efficient. I think here he'll obviously be much more committed, and I think he can, while IT's out, he can help take care of some of the playmaking and ball handling um, uh, burden as well. Yeah, but I think, I think what you're getting at, Nikhil, is though this kind of rests on Dwayne Wade accepting a role off the court that's going to probably mismatch the role he has to play on the court. Like, like you say, LeBron's going to bring him in and they're best friends. He's going to be number two in the pecking order, leadership-wise, most likely from day one, next to LeBron. But I think what we all kind of agree on is that he's not one of the four best players on this team. I think Crowder is definitely in the game before him. Possibly J.R. Smith, too. So I think, will D. Will D. Will D Wade be willing to accept a role on the court that does not really mesh with the nature of his relationship with LeBron, the nature of his pedigree in the league, etc. I think I think the only place he'd be willing to do that is here. I agree, but it's still it's yeah. I mean, so, I, I agree. It's still a question, though. I think it is, and I also I'm actually more curious about J.R. Smith. I agree. Everyone kind of projects him to come off the bench now. How does he respond? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I I think it's an open question. Who's better, J.R. Smith or Dwayne Wade, though? I think I think Wade Wade is very good. I think he can still be efficient, um, but in the right environment and where he can actually care. But I think Jr. has been proven to come out big as a shooter. Exactly, um, as a shooter works really well in LeBron's system. So yeah. All right. So that about wraps up uh, the news update. We're gonna do a a little early season segment of um, kind of projections for superstars from last season. So we're gonna take stats from last year and kind of talk about four. Uh, really interesting players going forward for this season. So, first guy we're going to talk about is Jimmy Butler. So, uh, Jimmy Butler was on the Bulls last year. Averaged 24 points, 6 boards, 6 assists. Uh, 46, 37, 87 shooting splits. Uh, played for the Bulls and obviously was traded to Minnesota this year. So, um, new situation. Back with Thibs. What do you guys think for Jimmy Butler this year? So, I was thinking about Jimmy Butler in the sense that I really don't know if this really helps. 
I know we're supposed to be thinking about more so player-centric, but team-centric, is he really that much of an upgrade over Levine for this trio? Levine put up 20 points a game. Jimmy Butler's going to put up 20 points a game. I know he's a veteran. I know he plays way better defense, but... I don't know. It might be the culture under Thibs. I don't know what it is, but they don't really work in Minnesota. Um, I know you've said this a lot, Zach. They take the same average shot length, Jimmy Butler, Cat, and Wiggins. So I don't really love it. But I do love it for star power, though. Love the big three, always. I think this is a very intriguing team overall on paper. Um, I think it looks scary. I think... Um, if they can buy into Tibbs, they can wreak havoc defensively. Uh, but I don't think that's going to end up panning out that way. Um, I think Jimmy will see a decline in production because we've already talked about how, like, I mean, there's not a lot of spacing. Uh, not a lot of these guys have a lot of range unless Wiggins comes back with some uh, magical three-point shot. I actually think the best way this team can be effective they have Jeff Teague around, which is good, and they have Jamal Crawford off the bench. But I think the most effective way for this team is to put Cat more on the perimeter of things and kind of invert the offensive setup. Jimmy and Wiggins love to score off that mid-post, uh, kind of turn around fadeaways, fade, whatever. But I think by putting using Cat on the perimeter a lot too will help open up some driving lanes and post-ups for the guards. Um, that's just an initial thought I had. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt that Jimmy Butler is one of the best offensive players in the league. Like, I think he showed that last year in Chicago, but I tend to agree with both of you that the, the team concept in Minnesota, I think, is dangerous for his individual game just because, in a way, Wiggins and Butler are very, very similar offensive players. Um, both of them like to catch the ball in the mid-post, like you say, saying, Akil, and Kevin, you're right. Butler's average shot distance last year was 12.9 feet from the hoop. Wiggins was 12.6 feet away from the hoop. They both like to operate you know, in that elbow extended type area. But Nikhil, to respond to you, I think they're not going to be willing to let Towns just be a shooter if only for this reason that he's the best shooter on the team. I think they're still going to have a certain level of commitment to playing through him at the high post. No? Yeah, obviously. But I'm saying, like, in order to make this work, I think it's just going to – it'll be tough for them. I think Jimmy Butler's a capable three-point shooter, obviously, but I just don't think there's – I think they need, to, they need to make the most of having a guy like Cat, who I think is incredible. Yeah. I think they need to utilize him in many different spots in order to open up things for everyone else because I think he's the best guy capable enough to do that I agree. because he can drag a big out of the lane. A big may sag off of him, and he'll get open looks, all that kind of stuff. So I think he's the most versatile guy to be moved around. Um, so I just think they should be creative with it. But overall, I think Jimmy Butler's stats-wise, production might go down. But I think overall, he's now surrounded by a lot of young talent and capable players that I think in, as a leader and as just kind of an overall long-term, I think this benefits him a lot. Yeah, I mean, I just worry that for him and Wiggins to both be successful, it will require the other one of them to do a lot of standing around. What, you know, I think they they both score in very similar types of ways. So, I, how comfortable is Jimmy Butler going to be playing off the ball on the weak side wing when Wiggins is taking five jab steps and trying to go by his man? And I, I I think that level of comfort for Jimmy and for and for Wiggins too is going to be difficult to find if it's just alternating isolations and then trying to find times for Towns also. 
But it's I've a, just never been a fan of Wiggins, and you guys all know that. Yeah, no, so, I mean either. I'm not a fan um, of Wiggins. I'm, either. A, I'm not high on him, and I, I think he needs to show some significant improvement soon uh, for me to be high on him. But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. So thumbs up, thumbs down, Cherry. You first. Down. A little sideways, but down. Keel. I'm gonna go down on this one. For for personally for Jimmy Butler, I think down stats wise. Yeah. All right, I'm down also on Butler. I think, uh, yeah, all great points raised by by all three of us. Um, next guy, Chris Stapps Porzingis, finally uh, unhandcuffed from Carmelo Anthony in New York. Last year, he averaged 18 points, seven boards, two blocks, 45, 36, 79 shooting splits. Cherry, we'll start with you. Porzingis, thoughts for this year. I think Porzingis is going to find himself this year as a increase in stats, but he definitely won't be as happy. He's now the focal point of a very bad team. They're not as bad as the Bulls, but they're going to be pretty bad. Um, it's going to be also, who is he going to be paired to? Is he going to play the five? Is he going to play the four? Is he going to be next to Noah, Cantor, Hernan Gomez? There's just too much uncertainty with this team for to look good for Porzingis. But hopefully, he said he's going to be stronger this year. He won't foul as much. Besides that, I don't have much. Like, things are bleak in New York for him. I mean, I, I, I disagree. There's no expectations. I'm... There's no expectations. I'll, I'll say that. Keel, go ahead. If, if, well, I agree. So, Zach, if, if that's the case, if New York truly doesn't put expectations on these, the team that they have, I think this... Porzingis will be very inefficient, uh, but his stats will obviously go up because yeah. he's taking a lot more shots. I think the the guy who's gonna have the biggest impact there right now is gonna be Hardaway. I'm actually really excited about him. Yep. Uh, I think he could have a pretty solid breakout year there, and I hope they use Frank um, early on and a lot. So I think all that whole team can be very successful if they let the young guys just go play and don't put any expectations on them. Um, that's the biggest mistake they can do. But overall, for Chris Stapps, I think this is a huge growth opportunity. I think he'll grow. I think he's a really good player, first ballot. But um, he'll be <laughs> definitely less efficient. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, I actually really disagree with you. I think that he's going to be liberated in a sense this season now that he has this whole mellow beef with the organization off his chest. Like he said during uh, media day, he's ready to move on. Um and I think it was it was it, it speaks to his on the court performance that he was kind of rattled by Melo. Um, couple stats like sixty five percent of all of his shots he took zero dribbles, and seventy percent of all of his touches lasted less than two seconds last year. So this is a guy that he was making super quick decisions, refusing to ISO, you know, playing kind of a cramped up role. I think when he's in that featured role, like I was watching some of his highlights today, he has. A, Fantastic spin move, fantastic crossover move. Um, so I think he's going to have a, a chance to put the ball on the floor a little bit. And I think, you know, obviously, as a Knicks fan, I can speak for all Knicks fans, we want the team to tank this year. The expectations are going to be low. It's going to be an exciting year. Um, so I, I'm all in on Porzingis. I think the stats are going to be there. And I think he's going to have some exciting moments. And Knicks fans are really going to like this year's team. Thumbs up or down, boys? Cherry? I definitely have a thumbs up for his... I'm, I, I, 
Yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up as well. Yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up. I think it's going to be a really good year for Porzingis. And um, I'm excited to see it. Next guy in a new situation. Okay, I, am, I, I am curious about the Knicks. And, and Cherry, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up. They brought in Cantor as well. So they've got like, what, three bigs that do the exact same, very similar thing. Or very similarly, like Hernan Gomez, uh, Joe Kim, and Cantor. Kind of same builds. But all can't, not very mobile, whatever. But they'll figure it out. But I think it's a good step. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt anymore in the organization that Porzingis is the guy. Like, they're not going to do anything to fuck with Porzingis. If, if that means, you know, Cantor's going to be unhappy or whoever's going to be unhappy, I think they're committed to it. Yeah. Next guy, um, Chris Paul. Traded in a big sign-and-trade deal from the Clippers to the Rockets. Last year, Paul averaged 18 points, 9 assists, 5 boards. Nice 48-41-89 shooting splits. Nikhil, your thoughts on Chris Paul in a new situation playing with James Harden? So from what I've heard from inside sources, and I'm not going to name any, <laughs> but apparently CP3 is, is, uh, is happy to play off the ball. Um, and James wants to offload some of that load to him. This is great. Maybe the chemistry is great, but from a team perspective, I think Harden has a tendency to be very passive, um, and especially going into the playoffs and stuff like that. So I think that might make it worse for him. I think CP might have a very similar production. I don't think I think he he and Harden will be sharing a lot of the assists. So I think the assist numbers go down. Um, both high, but down. Um, and, uh, in, I think, I think it provides good staggering capability because the Rockets never, um, whenever Harden was off the floor, that's when they would lose, they, their leads would shrink or they would go down by a lot because, uh, because Harden wasn't out there, but now they can stagger the point guard. So the team will benefit that way. But I mean, overall, I don't know how much it, I don't see it changing much for CP in general. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts, Zach? No, I mean, yeah, I don't think things are going to change that much. I do have a tough time kind of envisioning what their offense is going to look like. Like, I, I, I hear from most, you know, what, what, what most people are saying is the side-to-side pick-and-roll. I'm not really sure what that looks like, swinging back and forth between CP and 3 and Harden. That, that, that being said, I think they're going to bring the best out of each other. You can already see it kind of in an, in an off-the-court way. They seem to be, you know, James Harden apparently reported to camp looking very, very fit. Um, CP3, yeah. is, CP3 is excited to be there. So I think that they have a good, they're, they're getting a good thing going, and I don't think that the egos are going to be a problem at all. Nikhil, yeah? I mean, look, 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 at, look at last year, too. Worst-case scenario, which CP's he's Hall of Famer, but worst-case scenario, you, take, you compare him to Pat Bev. Um, yeah, exactly. He's obviously a major upgrade to Pat Bev. Now, not only can you he spot up and hit an open shot for you and play some defense, but now when he, if you pass it to him and he doesn't have a look, the offense doesn't just stop and pass back to James. Exactly. Now, like, CP can actually go make another play. Maybe James relocates, and now James gets the open three. So in that sense, I can kind of see some things flowing that way. But it, it, I don't know if they'll be running formal sets for these guys still, but – just think of it from that logic. I think that improves. I think now, like you, you kick it to a guy like CP for an open three, then he can also make go make a play and re, have Harden relocate. I think that's up. It's an upgrade, obviously. So 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think, like you said, for a guy like James Harden, who's kind of reticent, doesn't necessarily want to be the guy who's with everyone looking at him. You know, when the ball stops and there's four guys looking at one saying, can you get us a bucket? I don't think James feels comfortable in that position. There's kind of that guilt there. Um, but Chris Paul has that alpha personality on court that I think will pair nicely next to James Harden. Kevin? I'm just fearful of will Chris Paul change? Like You guys are 100% saying it's all good. He will just adjust the system, will accept his role, pass to Harden, play the Mike D'Antoni system. This guy has been a ball-centric guy his whole life. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason they call him the point god. I mean, he, he came from something where he'd be dribbling around. Like, he in the Clippers, he'd dribble into the paint, kind of dribble around, like, figure it out, probe, 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 throw it up to the rim. DeAndre or someone gets it. Um, that obviously won't work here, and that's always been my biggest concern, too. But, I mean, we won't know until we see them on the court together. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you can always speculate. I think that... He wouldn't have made this type of move had he not been willing to change, I think. Um, so, I, I don't know. We'll you see. know I mean, we I can only find out when they're on the court together. Obviously, he, he wanted out of that situation. I think he wanted a fresh start for everything. <laughs> Off the court, on the court. I think he wanted something new. When you when you play with the same guys, that Clippers team was together for so long. I think you fall into roles very easily. Chris Paul was always handling the ball a ton for that group kind of playing I think he wanted out and he wanted something new he wanted a new challenge um I'm gonna go steady for Chris Paul um not really thumbs up or thumbs down I think we kind of know what what he brings not sure we're gonna be too surprised Nikhil what do you think I, I'm on the same same boat I don't think much changes from cp 3 standpoint I can even see maybe his point production going up but like oh I mean I think it's pretty much even throughout Kevin steady all right, we're, we're unanimous through uh, three. The last player we're going to talk about is the guy that CP3 left to go to Houston. Blake Griffin, now still in, still with the Clippers, dating Kendall Jenner, having a nice little offseason. Uh, Blake, still going? I don't know if it's still going, but um, I don't know. Nikhil's our California insider. But um, <laughs> last year, Blake Griffin. <laughs> Blake Griffin averaged 22 points, 8 boards, and 5 assists. 49-34-76 shooting splits. Looking to be in a much more featured role this year for the Clippers uh, as a primary ball handler, hopefully. I like what what I'm thinking for Blake. Kevin, what do you think? I mean, this is the role they say he excels in, right? Point Blake. Um, I really do think it'll work. He... He looked like a stretch four. He started. He's been going ever since like they started. Stop dunking. Stop. What were they called? What? The Clippers. The big. What they would just alley. Lob City. What was the name? Huh? Lob yeah, City. Yeah, Lob City. When Lob they started going away from Lob City, his game really did expand. He can shoot now, and everyone loves this Blake Griffin. Whenever CB3 would get hurt, he would look good, but then he gets hurt. So like, I don't know. I mean, I do love him in this role. But it's it's just a question mark. Will you play? I mean, well, I can, obviously. Uh, go ahead. No, so I was gonna say. I mean, obviously, the biggest thing is if he can, if he can play, I, I'm taking that part out of it. I hope he can stay healthy for a full season. I, I really hope for the best for he is any injured. NBA player. He's injured that. to start the season. I, 
Yeah, yeah, I think and and the postseason if they make it. But <laughs> and the postseason, I, yeah. I think he can be really, really fucking good if they really let him be a point forward. If they literally just let him get the rebound, push the break, and run the offense, I think he could be very good. I think, in a sense, he could be um, like a similar version to a Harden. From he doesn't have the floor spacing abilities there, but because he's the four, I think him if he's able to rebound the ball and push the break. He's going to have bigs already shaken in transition, and he'd be able to actually attack them in transition, right, Zach? Looking yes. like a young Broner, honestly. <laughs> I think he can, he, his assist numbers are going to go up. Um, I think he can create – if they can surround him with more shooters. I know they have Decker, they have Gallinari, they have Pat Bev, all of which are very used to now playing – Pat Bev is used to deferring ball handling duties to a point guard, another point guard. Um, but if all these guys can stretch the floor and hit shots um, – I, and then they, he still has DeAndre for the lob. I think it's a very Houston setup now, but now it's Blake handling the ball. And I think his lack of three-point shooting is made up for by the fact that he's going to get guarded by fours and fives in the league. So um, I think he could be really, really good if they really just unleash him and let him do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jerry West has the year of Steve Ballmer, and he's trying to bring in that Warriors-type model. So I like the idea of point Blake. I also like Blake at the five. A lot more this year without, without DeAndre on the floor and giving him space to work. It's not necessarily point Blake, but it's more of a Draymond type role where you have the room to put the ball on the floor and make plays for others and yourself. I don't know about that's very radical. I don't know about like massively I, massive minutes from that point guard. They also brought in Teodosic, who I think they're going to like a lot in LA. I'm not saying he's going to be the point right? guard. But I'm saying putting him at the five has a similar effect to point Blake because you take DeAndre's lack of spacing off the floor and then you say, we have five ball handlers, let's go play. I, I think, I don't know if they have the complete personnel to make a lot of that happen yet. Uh, I think they're on their way to that and I agree. I think that's Jerry West. I think that's his influence on this. Bringing in a guy like Gallinari, uh, Decker, who they think can be kind of, people are really high on Decker. Uh, uh, apparently. So they think he can be like a very Gallinari type player. You have a lot of these guys who can shoot and put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. It could be interesting. I just don't think they have the personnel yet for it to be fully effective. You know, Zach, I, you're really high on that point guard, correct? Yeah, I, I think I like Teodos. I mean, I, I worry that he's going to be their most exciting player. So I wonder whatever it is, how much minutes he's going to see because I think fans are going to love him a lot. He he does he does pound do the ball. Do you think do you think the Clippers make the playoffs? No. I mean, I like. No, I don't think they do actually. I, it, it's tough. I think Memphis is getting in, which which crowds my which crowds it a little bit. So <laughs> Nikki, we'll don't laugh at him. Don't laugh. But um, up, down, or steady on Blake, Kevin. I'm definitely up. The only thing going down about Blake will be his shooting percentage, but that's fine. Nikhil? I, I don't think his shooting percentage goes down, actually. But I do think it's all – I think it's a thumbs up. I'm a little more – I think it's a little steady. Um, Ooh. I'm not totally sure that, that, that they're going to commit to, like, getting that, him his That's numbers. the biggest – so I, I agree with that. I think it's contingent on if they, if they unleash him like that, I think it definitely automatically yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. It's, if so they it's, just kind of keep him in the same role, it's obviously going to be steady. So. It's actually interesting because – 
he's out of these out of all four of these guys, his role might be the most subject to how he's unleashed by coaching staff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that that about wraps it up. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Kevin, Nikhil, any last words? Let's go Celtics. Nikhil. Uh, Lakers make the playoffs. You heard it here first. Uh, my my last word is Suns white jerseys are the nicest jerseys in the league. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. We'll talk to you guys soon.